This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar. Coming at you on Sirius XM 99 Raw Dog and on the Laugh Button Podcast Network. I'm Dan Natterman. We are here with Noam Dorman, owner of the Comedy Cellar, Periel Ashenbrand, the producer of Live from the Table. We have Vaughn DiCarlo with us. Making her, uh, I think, making her uh, live from the table debut, uh, as far as I can remember. Correct. She is a yes, I've never podcast. been on a podcast. I've never been on a podcast. Well, welcome. A better <laughs> late you. than never. Uh, good to have you. Vaughn DiCarlo is a stand-up comedian and executive producer of the Patrice O'Neill documentary, Killing is Easy. We also have Marina Franklin with us, comedian, actor, writer, host. Her credits include HBO's Crashing. Hey, so do mine. Uh, Trainwreck. Stephen Colbert's Late Show, and many others, and she will be appearing in FX's Hysterical, premiering on April 2nd, and the next day on Hulu. Welcome, Marina. You, it's been a while for you. You're not making your debut, but it has been some time, because generally speaking, you always, you never seem to want to do our podcast, and we're not insulted. <laughs> That's not true. I, I, I've done Hot Tim's podcast several times, but I... I, I think I get them confused, believe it or not. I thought it was the same thing, but it's not. Hot Temp podcast is usually a little more political, although this is often quite political because Noam steers us in that direction. But we're here to, I assume this week, to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, comedic matters because we have uh, the executive producer of the Patrice O'Neill documentary with us. And Marina, you were involved as well with the documentary, is that correct? I was in it, yes. I was in it a, a, a lot. And then I think some people were upset because I was in it more than they were, or they didn't. But it wasn't about that, which was great. That was the fun part about doing the Patrice O'Neill documentary was that from what Vaughn did with it and what the director did and how it was steered was, it was really about Patrice's story. It was about telling his story, not really about us. So even for me, who can be somewhat self-absorbed, I think in that moment, <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was really about Patrice. Um, no, Marina, actually, I, I set out to do the documentary just for you. This was absolutely not about Patrice at all. I just needed a moment <laughs> to highlight Marina Franklin. Um, no, what she's saying is true. I, it, you know, it's a weird place to start with that, with people and their feelings about who was in it, who wasn't in it. There, there was moments of Patrice's life that wasn't in the film. Like we, we made a film. We didn't make a, 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 a 41 year part documentary for each year of his life. And even if we did something that outrageous, you still can't fit a person's entire life into one film. And when I first met uh, the director, Michael Bonfiglio, that was one of the first things I, I expressed to him um, as far as my desire for the film. I wanted everybody to get out of their feelings and, and out of the self-absorption self it can be um, when you watch documentaries. Sometimes when I watch them, it feels like the, the people are talking about the subject and the subject's just chiming in. So I, when I first met Michael Bonfiglio, I, I asked him, I said, there's enough footage uh, between radio, stand-up, video, everything where 
you could make it feel like Patrice is just narrating his own story and then everybody else is just chiming in. And I think that he did an excellent job of doing that. Why is Va why is Gnome's neck showing? I don't know. And his shirt is like skin tone, so he looks a little naked. Are you me too in us, Gnome? What's going on here? <laughs> no, I I cannot log in. I cannot log into the meeting with the link that Periel gave me. I just rebooted my computer. I was able to do it from my phone, but I don't know. I'm just trying. I, I don't know. It's some sort of weird thing going on here so sorry you guys go, go ahead as you were go ahead. Well, we, can hear, we can hear your voice that's, that's uh, sufficient i'll try to fix this as i'm listening so i'm sorry go ahead oh sorry i just thought it was hilarious to oh, see you okay. like you just your neck and look like you were pivoting and swirling <laughs> and but anyway that was great, I like this Vaughn. angle better because I can see the colors are corrected, and now I can see that's just a very lovely natural brown uh, sweat sweater you have on. A few that's minutes right. ago, it just looked like you were all bare chest. <laughs> I was very Vaughn, uncomfortable. Did you pitch this idea, or somebody came to you with it? How? What was the genesis? I I started the project in 2015. That was the beginning of the project. I saw uh, a video of you that I loved so much. I think it was on your Instagram where you said that you walked into the Comedy Central meeting like before anything <laughs> else and you were like, there needs to be a billboard in Times Square. What? <laughs> yeah, they should have kicked me out. Um, <laughs> they understood the context of Patrice. So when I first took the project to Comedy Central, um, Joanne was still there. Joanne G, she's at Netflix now. Um, and I met Christian McLaughlin through her. And they were the executives there at the time. And, and of course, over time, things changed hands. But um, Joanne worked on Elephant in a Room and I knew her for there and she, they totally got the context and understood why I would say that because there were times in Patrice's career where he wanted a billboard and it wasn't even on ego stuff. It was on, this is what's deserving of this project that you want me to do. It should be properly advertised. Here's X, Y, and Z. And he was denied getting something as simple as a billboard that is, is a huge deal. Right. But there were other um, projects happening that was pretty equivalent to the things that he was asking for, but they just denied him that. So and he he just he he turned down, you know, the second um, season of a project that he was working on and decided to not move forward because they he wasn't going to get everything that he wanted. So he stood his ground on that, but he really did um, talk about it for a long time in terms of filling um like the the business didn't see his worth in the game and it, it really hurt him in a sense like i do all of this and i can't get a billboard i can't get proper advertising i see x y and z show on the side of buses and cabs and subways and i can't get any of that yet um i've made the show successful enough for new seasons so it just, it, it was really important for me, for him to, to get that. And I, I don't, I, and I said that in the video, I don't do the, I wish Patrice was here thing. Cause that would be all day, every day for me for a hundred different things in life. 
um, starting with my daughter, <laughs> you know, and, and, and her graduate high school and all the things that he, he hasn't been here for. Um, but I do wish he was here to see his billboard. That would have been like, that was definitely well-deserving. And I'm glad Comedy Central didn't kick me out. <laughs> kick me out the office. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was something really beautiful about walking in there and being able to say that for all of those reasons. And it was really exciting to see it too. Well, I can't, you look, I'm not, I'm not one that claim to be, uh, like there's people that you have a pitch plan. I didn't have a pitch plan, you know, even like I had a, a show on Sirius XM NBA channel. I was doing the Godfrey complex at the time on urban view and power hour. And they know I'm a huge basketball fan and Karen Hunter, God bless Karen Hunter. She, she walked me right over to NBA. They were, she was like, I think, she would work well on on your channel because they were looking for a, a place for me on their channel because they just like me doing their talk radio power hour was one hour and then godfrey show moved to two hours so it's two hours of talk radio um but they didn't have space for me to have my own show so they introduced me to the higher up set sirius xm and but i still had to pitch the show so mm -hmm. i my opening pitch was, okay, let me tell you why the NBA channel is boring. I, I listen to your channel, it's boring. People don't want to, athletes don't want to come to your station because y'all talk about basketball. I get it, it's the basketball station, but like Damian Lillard, for instance, is an incredible rapper. He'll walk right past the NBA channel and go to Sway in the morning because he knows he gets to talk about his off-court stuff. So, you know, that was my... <laughs> My pitch was telling them that their station was boring. I don't, I don't have a plan. I just, I, I feel passionate about something and then I just talk about it. And that's what I did with, with Comedy Central. And of course it helps to already have a relationship with people and they were definitely, um, uh, had a huge desire to make sure the, the documentary was done and done well. And right down to the very end, um, they did absolutely everything to make sure that happened. Noam, by the way, is Noam, are you with us? I had to uninstall my Zoom client, something Periel, something like a virus or something. All right, this but is bullshit. This, I didn't send you anything wrong. Everybody else got on here with no problem. Yeah, but Look, I'm, she's I'm, being I'm, really nice to me, so I'm going to say she did everything perfect. So I just want to say that I, I, <laughs> as I was trying to get it fixed, I heard Von tell a story about the about the uh, billboard and I, I and I was very quite moved by that. I'm I'm happy. I mean, I'm sorry that he didn't get to see the billboard as well, but you did a you did a great thing there. Thank um, you. I don't I don't know how to put it into words, but you know, it's it's uh it's it's very sentimental and I think it's great. Did you watch well, it? Overall, yeah, I watched it, yeah. Did you cry? I cried. No, I I, I can't I I didn't cry. Um only, I'm only saying that to be honest that I didn't cry, but that doesn't mean I didn't find the, the documentary very affecting. I just didn't cry, you know. I like but didn't I stop you, crying. Yeah, well, you 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 were much closer, Patrice and I. Um, I mean, I um, there's some reputation out there that somehow Patrice and I have bad feelings towards each other, which I, I mean, maybe Vaughn knows something I didn't, but I never had any bad words with Patrice. My father had some fights with him, but this is also insignificant in retrospect. But no, I um. So, but you, but I wasn't close with him the way 
somebody like Marina was or many other comics who would, who would be much more, um, you know, taken by their personal feelings when they saw that documentary. I didn't know him well. Right. There, it, how can I say it? Um, relationships have ups and downs, right? I was with Patrice 10 years. And if, if the decision was made, like for certain people to be in the film based on their relationships with Patrice, then a lot of people wouldn't have been in it at all. Even the people that you saw in it, you have to take a look at, at the overall picture, right? There were, there were people that were extremely close to him in the early days that maybe they weren't even friends at all towards the end of his life. But that's so irrelevant to the overall narrative of the story and the fact that they were friends at a point in time and they can discuss certain things was the more important factor. There were no, um, it, nothing was personal in terms of who's in it, who's not. The director had a very difficult job in in taking someone's actual life. And it, it's still a film, which was very difficult for me as well, because I, there's so many different hats I have to wear. And in, in looking at it, like this is, this is not just a project, but it's a project. So in having to remove feelings and personal feelings and and all of these dis different things to go okay how can this have a narrative flow and and what fits into that and what doesn't and when you when you look at the final when i look at the final product and i go did it serve the purpose that i set out to do which was to humanize patrice because comedy tells its own story and my daughter said it best when she when she said she wanted to speak at his funeral and she said, I have to tell him what a great daddy is because everyone's going to talk about comedy and, and all of that, but they don't know what a good daddy is. I need to say that. And that's that's pretty much the core of it. Like people don't know especially as comics, we all know that who you are on stage is informed by who you are as a person, right? Especially if you're the type of comic that comes from a very personal place with your material. So that was very important to me to humanize Patrice and, and to show growth because people are just stuck in this time warp. Oh, Patrice will do this or say that. Really? Well, that's kind of funny because it, when I first met him, he had a totally different viewpoint on something that he changed over time because he's a person and he's a well thought out he was a well thought out person that didn't just come to knee-jerk conclusions about anything so it, it was important for me to humanize him and to show growth and and i felt like that the director definitely accomplished that with with what we had and unfortunately some things were left out some people were left out but none of it was personal yeah well, I, I was not involved in the documentary, and rightly so, because um, Patrice and I were not close, but uh, I appreciated him from a distance. And uh, <laughs> Well, I, what, what I want to say, um, this comes through in the documentary, although I, I began to pick up on this a few years ago, and then um, I, I've seen it only um, snowball. Patrice, um, the public will be, uh, probably most of the public will be surprised to find out, is considered by his peers to be one of the greatest comics who ever lived. And in fact, quite a few very good comics 
think he may be the greatest comic who ever lived. And um, that, you know, I, I had no idea at the time having, well, actually I never saw Patrice even perform that much to be honest. I, I had no idea at the time. Cause he stopped working working at the cellar. Yeah, <laughs> but, even when he, but, 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 not, but not only that, but when he did work at the cellar, he wasn't bringing his best Patrice uh, most of the time, you know, for, for whatever reason. I mean, this was one of the, the aspects of his character, which is even alluded to in the documentary, is that he would, he would do whatever the fuck he wanted, right? So, um, and as, as a business owner, you get heartburn from that sort of unpredictable. Well, was, um, it, was, it not his, was he not bringing his best Patrice or was he not bringing his most crowd-pleasing Patrice? Well, wait, well, well, however you want to, I, I don't want to, well, however you want to put it, meaning that it, he wasn't, he, he knew how to kill. And that wasn't his goal. That's right, but but that prop no, I wouldn't. That was not his goal, but but I would say that that was not what he utilized his comedy seller sets for. He used them for whatever his own purposes were, either to try a material or just to bullshit around or or, or whatever you know whatever it was. So, um, but anyway, so I didn't get to see him at his best the way so many of his peers who. Well, can I just say something real quick before I forget this thought? Um, sure. No, what you're saying is actually why comics liked him um, yeah. and why we think he's the best. It wasn't his killing sets that we liked the most. It was actually the sets because we all, and I'm one of those comics that likes to bomb actually. Um, and the cellar was actually one of the spots that was very challenging for me because I felt like I couldn't. No, you bomb. still bomb. <laughs> sure, yeah. somebody <laughs> had to say no, it. <laughs> no but i mean patrice actually <laughs> fuck he's actually you walked right you know, into it <laughs> right patrice actually in, taught me a lot about like there were certain times when i i used to do that quite often was just i never thought about killing that's how i was coming up and that's how i worked bombed a lot and I like I still to this day enjoy bombing and when I can't bomb I actually feel like I don't get the most out of a set and so that's what comics really appreciated about Patrice is he didn't feel like he had to he didn't like at the cellar we were all like you gotta kill at the cellar Patrice never did that and so can I I tell you what 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 I what I take as what my impression was what the comedians admired um, <clears throat> about him most. This is, I'm not saying this is factual. This is just what came to me. That he was one of a handful of comics that actually had real depth of um, perception and understanding of the human condition. And, oh, yes. and, when, and, when pe- when, and, and quite often in conversations, people would refer to, you know, Patrice used to say this, not jokes so much, or even if it was... Even if they would repeat the joke, it was his, it was points that he would make, um, like uh, in in that small group of people like Louis or um, Chappelle, who are who are deep deep thinkers and philosophers in a way, and and I think that that to me is what I take, and I didn't realize that at the time, that he's one of those that he was one of those very few comedians who had the right to be respected as a, as a commentator on life, you know, in a, in a, in a not shallow way. So that's, the, so that's what I have learned about Patrice that I actually didn't know while he was alive. 
Because men, it's hard for us to love you and like you at the same time. It's just, it is what it is. Once a man loves you, he no longer likes you usually. So I'm gonna give you some advice, ladies, on how to keep your man liking you once he loves you, if that's possible. This is what I think. Men wanna be alone. But we don't wanna be by ourselves. Does that make sense at all? Really? Can I jump in there? Uh, so the, the th just to um, comment on both things that you and Marina are saying, one, um, he also had the power of explanation, right? He could take a very complex uh, or simple thing and make you feel like, wow, I, I was feeling that. I just didn't know how to articulate it, right? He had the power of explaining very complex things, race, politics, you name it, He because he was well thought out. And and to your point of he didn't always bring his best and Marina's point of, of process, as a, I'll speak for as a comic from as, as a comic myself, we all have a different process of how we get to the end result of what is gonna kill, right? So I don't know what sets that you saw. So I can't speak on or for Patrice on that, but I will say that he had a particular process that involved him being very honest on stage and one of the reasons why he enjoyed working overseas and at a point wasn't even going to come back to the united states um, but that showtime special brought him back uh, was because he was able to uh, paint his picture the the audience uh, kind of allowed him to walk through and if you see some early footage of him you could see him slowly walking through the process of painting a particular picture that ended up in specials very tight and very well. I don't know what, again, I don't know what Seth Shu saw or what he was doing at the cellar, but it, it, it was definitely, I could assume, was part of the overall process of getting to that place. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I don't, I don't know if that means that he wasn't bringing his best, but I do understand as a business owner, it's like, can you just fucking kill every time you up there with your damn process? I get it. I, I see, I see both sides. Well, look, the, the thing is, you know, um, it's, I think it's more interesting for a listener to, to hear a conversation about a, a person who's passed away. That is, um, no holds bar. Like, you know, God forbid anybody thinks, I mean, my father is dead, right? I could have a very blunt conversation about my father and I could tell you about the things about him that were his flaws and the things that, that bothered me about him, whatever it is. And these, are, these would be interesting to somebody who's trying to get a feel for the human being. So what I'm saying is that God forbid you think that I'm like trying to say anything bad. I'm just, I'm just like, no, I'm just gonna speak honestly what I, what I, my perception is of the man having seen him. I'm not criticizing him. Oh, oh, no, and you can. No, you yes. can. I'm not sensitive in saying, yeah. oh, you, everybody has to all praise Patrice. Look, when, when Patrice died and Lisa Lampanelli was like, I didn't like him when he was alive. I'm not going to pretend like I like him now that he's dead. I People wanted me to be upset about that. I'm like, I wouldn't. I'm actually... <laughs> yeah. Patrice would probably say, good girl, I had to die for you to fucking be honest about something at some point. Like, well, you heard I, what Natterman said, right? You heard what Natterman said, why he didn't go to the funeral? No. Yeah, tell uh, her why you said that. Well, well, well I, I did not go to Patrice's funeral out of respect for Patrice. Because <laughs> my feeling was is that I wanted to go. Because what's, what's better than uh, a funeral where there's going to be famous people saying interesting things? Your daughter's 
uh, she spoke. It's, I didn't know about that, but that sounded interesting. But I'm not going to go to a funeral just because it's interesting. That's not an appropriate reason to go to a funeral. Uh, I, I agree. You weren't friends with him. Why, why would you yeah, be there? And, and because I, I was friendly, but not friends. And, the, and, I, and my, in my head, I said to myself, if Patrice somehow was able to rise up out of that coffin and see me there, he'd be like, Natterman? <laughs> I just imagine him with his big booming voice saying, the fuck is Natterman doing here? Look, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like people have to tiptoe around me about Patrice. Of course, you know, I do feel like, hey, have a certain amount of respect. I, but I understand context, context, and I understand when people are saying something to be shitty and when, when they're not saying something to be shitty and it's just being honest. So I, I'm not the person to tiptoe around with certain things. So, you know, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I wasn't speaking on it to even defend him in particular. I wasn't there. I don't know what spots you saw. Yeah. He could have just been fucking around. Or it could have been, I wanted to speak as far as what Marina was saying too, and for myself as a comic, oh, yeah. sometimes you're the process to get to where you are going to kill with one particular thing, it, it's going to take a long time sometimes. Sometimes it's right away, sometimes it's not. And God forbid the business owner or the booker is in the room at the time you're working some shit out and it's like, please don't book Vaughn again because <laughs> this shit's trash. And it's like, no! I'll bring my best. I absolutely <laughs> loved watching Patrice walk. Not one person, not two people. And it's been like, I think it was two times I saw him walk the entire audience. And can I tell you something? And, and I hated like, that if I could just fin- If I could just, I know, but if I could just finish this point, because what it was, was for comics, right? For comics, certain comics, I should say, not all comics. Some comics like to pander. I don't. I try not to. I hate comics that pander. It makes me sick. So Patrice always was like, if at any point in his set, he felt like sometimes the audience was like expecting a laugh per minute, he would just toss the entire set. And so I enjoyed it on a personal level because I was like, yeah, like the moment I have someone tell me, like I'll be on stage and I see a woman going, come on, come on with the jokes. You know, like I, you know, I have a certain rhythm. I'm not here to tap dance for you. So when I would see Patrice do that and walk the entire audience, yes, it's a very selfish thing, but I enjoyed it. Do material? Shut the fuck up, you two. What is this table? Fucking blow off, cocksucker. I've been doing this forever, motherfucker. I can, this is my material. How about that? Do you even know me? Like, I, I don't even, I don't have material. I, I had material till she thought that she should open her fucking trap. Uh, you can certainly understand right. why no one's so, did not. I, oh, no, I'm not, I, on a business, can, I'm not talking see, about a business level. I can see both level. sides of talking. that. I can see both sides of that. Um, I can see the selfishness of that where it's like, okay. uh, And I can also see the admiration and the boldness behind that. Like, I don't care. I don't have to, I get all of that. Here, here's the thing. 
Um, and, and I was hoping to, again, with the documentary, I wanted to show growth because there's a lot of people walking around. There's a lot of little baby Patrices running around thinking that just because he did something, th this is Bible. They, they study him like he's almighty Jesus. And, oh, this is what I should be doing. Uh, and then they seek to abuse audiences and they do it wrong. They don't know what they're doing and they don't really have real purpose. They just think they're being, oh, Patrice would do this. But what they didn't know is over time, Elephant in a Room is a great example. Uh, he lit the ass fire out of this girl at Elephant in a Room. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Um, they showed some of it. For months, he was like, I can't do that anymore. That was unnecessary. He literally thought that he destroyed her so much that she could have committed suicide. He would not let up. He couldn't get it off his mind. He was like, I don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Why did I even do that? That was growth. He came from a place where it's like, I'm destroying everybody. And then he understood the power that he had and how unnecessary it could be in certain moments. He, you don't have to use all your Superman powers on these civilians, right? So I, I, I believe for myself as a comic, I'm pulling that right out. I'm pulling those tools right out of my pocket if it's necessary, but I'm not going to seek to do it. I'm not, I'm not jumping through the crowd looking for the person who I'm going to destroy that day. I'm focused on my material and what I came to do. Now, somebody, <laughs> if somebody want to poke the bear, that's a different story. But so, there's a lot of people mimicking Patrice and, and got it all wrong. So, so let me say, the, 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 Patrice was very, very sweet with me towards the end, and I, and I saw him destroy it. It was one of those virus shows, Opie and Anthony shows. It was outdoors, I remember. And he just killed, I remember. And, uh, and I spoke with him about it, uh, you know, about why does it come to the cellar. And he was very, very nice to me. I think we even texted at one time. So, like, I'm nothing but... but that was um, me, no. Was that you? Was it you? <laughs> no. Uh, but, 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 I, I'm sure if, even if it was you, it was authorized, right? But, um, uh, but uh, so uh, there's absolutely zero, um, you know, bad feelings or zero bad experiences I, I had with, with Patrice. A as for, you know, the idea of, of, of enjoying walking the, seeing somebody, a comic walk the room, you know, I, I can't, I can't, uh, uh, say that I agree with that because I think not just from the business owner's point of view, if I buy a ticket to a show and the, and James Taylor or, or um, whoever the act is, I don't know why James Taylor came to mind, but uh, I think like a single guy on the stage decides, never decides to Taylor walk a room. That would be hilarious. No, decide, <laughs> decides, to, decides to turn his back to the audience and say, fuck this. I'm like, no, you know, um, that's, that's, you are, you know, you're taking the money of the people and, and, and not just money, but they look forward to it. They get a date, they go out, they get dressed, they're going to be entertained. And there is a, there is a bond or between the good faith of the entertainer to, ent to entertain. And, and, if, and if a particular person in the audience has it coming to him, by all means, he has it coming to him and, and walk that guy. But even that, the best comics will skewer an audience member who has it coming in a way that is actually positive for the show where they get the audience, the rest of the audience is on their side and cheering when the, when the poor guy actually bursts into tears and runs out of the room where some other comics will allow their personal anger to just, you know, bring the whole room down. And that's human. By the way, I, I, I spent a lot of time on stage. I can't tell you how many times I let 
things walk get the room? better of me. You walk the room. No, not walk the room, but I, but I but I would but I would do something which would I'd have I'd have to dig a hole in the room out of the negative energy that I allowed to have too much influence in the room because I couldn't control my own emotion, you know. So I I, I understand how it happens, which is different than to say that I think it's okay. But um. Every performer does it. Every performer does. If I if I could just clarify what I mean by Patrice yeah. walking the room, because I think we're talking about two different things. I'm yeah. talking about because I come from a theater experience and art. I'm talking about art, and sometimes art isn't pretty. And what I liked about Patrice was he's he was a real artist. I'm not talking about the business. I'm not talking yeah. about what's appropriate. I'm not talking about what's you know you know self destructive. I'm talking about what I really loved about Patrice was his art form. And part of his art form was being completely destructive as a human being. And that's what I actually enjoy. I don't, I don't like the pleasingness. It's just who I am personally. He did have a desire for. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that for me, for, for me, when I watched him do that, it was, there's a, there's an actual theater about that experience of doing everything opposite of what the audience wants. There's a style, I can't remember the name of it. There is a, if, if I had it, I would do it right now where the guy would actually throw shit at the, at the, at the wall. I used to study this in, when I was a master's in theater. And so a lot of times, not that that's what Patrice, his goal, end goal was, or what his desire was, but that's what I actually enjoyed about it, was like, this is a true artist who is doing something at times that seems like he's, he's discovering things, he's learning things, he's authentic in it, and I love to see that. That's just Well, me. a lot of times when he was doing that, for instance, when he was doing uh, Web Junk, and there were people showing up to his shows that were like, oh, the Web Junk guy, right? And he's like, nah, I'm this, my comedy is not the web junk guy comedy. He was very uncomfortable uh, with people that came in with a certain expectation that wasn't his comedy. So the, he did have a very artistic way of weeding out the, the core fans that knew his comedy was there for his shit. And then the other people that were sitting there judging, like, what is this that were not on board? Yes, he absolutely had an artistic way of, of, weeding through those people and and walking them right out and and for a business owner paying their tabs if 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 such was the case yeah. he would, would dish out the money that that was missing in that so i i totally i i totally get the artistic side that you're speaking of marina uh uh 100% i get it um but at the same time um everything it, again, it, there was a lot of growth. You know, he came to terms with a lot of things on the, the artistic side of things, the, the business side of things, uh, life in general. That's, that's what we're all here to do while we're living and breathing is, is growing and understanding. But are you saying that if, if, if Patrice had lived um, or was, was, was still alive, how long, how many years ago has it been since he died? Ten. So Ten in, years in November. You, Jesus Christ, it goes so fast. You think that the, um, the, the Patrice we would have seen in the last 10 years would be, um, would be different in some ways from the Patrice we saw. Absolutely. We're, everybody sitting here is different than they were 10 years ago. Thank God uh, we've had the opportunity to live but, but, and grow and be but related, different. But related to these particular Absolutely. Issues. 
there's can I nothing ask there's nothing that you could bring up that I that I would say he would not have had growth he was a man of growth from day one you're talking to the woman when we when we was first getting together he was like oh I could never be in a relationship with a woman with a kid and cut to my stepdad Mr. B so it's it's tons of growth and along the way it's it's a lot of uh heavy sometimes harsh and and misunderstood language and and stuff that i have to defend in, in a lot of ways and and even like with the the walking people stuff and him being uncomfortable with with new people like i i remember when when he got all these new followers on twitter he was like i don't want any of these people I just want the 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 first five thousand people who just knew who I was for whatever reason, you know. And then he grew to an understanding of of getting to a place with even understanding what what that meant and how effective that could be in different ways. Can, can I ask can Marina you, something? I think would be would be interesting to to the average listener um, is you said said earlier that you like to bomb, and uh, I mean if you could clarify what it is about bombing uh that you like and, and and that you find um i don't know beneficial or interesting orgasmic we'll go with orgasmic <laughs> well if, if that's the case then yes then what, what is it that's orgasmic about Do you like that natter it's unexpected it's an unexpected way to describe bombing because i live in fear of bombing i don't like it in any in any but i'm very insecure but what is it about bombing that you that you like no i i mean in the moment it doesn't feel great right but it's like there's something about it that's very new. It's the, I feel alive. I feel like I'm not repeating. Like one of the things that I hate is when I'm doing the same material over and over again and I'm like a robot. That's not why I got into any type of performance whatsoever. If I don't feel alive on stage and something about bombing makes you present, uh, it makes you feel like you need to fix things and um, you growth, like Vaughn was saying, there's growth that comes from it. My best jokes to this day came from years of bombing. My best jokes to this day that go across overseas, where people booked me in Ireland and England and South Africa, those jokes, those particular jokes was years of bombing with that material. And th there were people who used to tell me, you know, you're you know, they would make fun of me. They would say, you better stop. I'm going to bring Marina back on stage the, with those jokes. And those are well, the ones so that I bombed with. And that's, the, that was my strongest material. So I know. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, so you're saying it's not, it's not the bombing is obviously not an end in itself. It's you want to get to the killing, but to get to the killing, you need the bombing. Yeah, to get to the killing, to get to a great joke, you got to be truthful with it. And you, and sometimes my process is not like everyone else's process. My process is slow. It's very organic and it can be painful to watch. I've been told. So I don't mind that, and, but that is my process. And that's why a lot of people will say, I'm sorry to bring it back to me. I'm being very selfish right now, but well, that's why no, some people will say- I, I, brought, I brought it back to you when I oh, asked Oh, well, you thank you. Well, I guess that's why some people will say, Marini, you're a very unique comic. And to bring it back to Patrice, in my early, early days, he actually said to me when I was up on stage at the Boston Comedy Club, he goes, look at you trying to be all honest up there. 
Not until I watched the documentary did I realize that was a big compliment from him. I thought he was making <laughs> fun of me, but I didn't realize he was actually saying, you're doing something great. And then he said to me, he would make fun of me and say, not until you go, uh -huh, are you ever going to make it? And that's how I got that shake a dang dang joke was Patrice. That was Patrice calling out the fact that I was trying to not do that. And he was like, explore that on stage, which was one of my favorite jokes. And one of the jokes that I, I you know, I had black women looking at me like, what's she talking about? We go, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, but it was the best joke because Patrice was constantly kind of, he would look and go, are you being authentic with it? Are you exploring every part with it? Or are you pandering with it? And so bombing taught me how to be truthful with those moments instead of just getting the laugh right away. I agree with Marina in, in terms of bombing with, with my material that I'm pretty, my instincts are pretty good. So I feel like the first time I do it, it's usually pretty close to where I want it. And then when I start messing around with it, I learned that either how I did it the first time was good or like Marina said, you find all these magical moments and, and all these different layers and all these things that make it so much better. And now this joke that if you wouldn't have bombed your way to the kill, would just be maybe just an average joke or not a good joke at all, or just, you know, whatever. And and one of the things, I'm, I don't have a fear of bombing at all. And one of the things I learned from Patrice was, well, one, he used to always say, you know, don't give away your power on stage. Don't be afraid of the silence. Don't don't try to talk too fast and get get to the next thing too fast. But but the as far as bombing, and I still do this to this day. If I could be having a great set, I'll practice bombing. Like I'll practice losing the room just to see if I could get it back. And, and that way, what that does for me is, if I'm like, oh, this is going well, and in the middle somewhere, I lose the room purposely and work my way back into getting them back, what happens for me is, when you bomb for real, not on purpose bomb, but you, you just bombing, that you don't feel that nervousness or that fear of that silence, because you already know you've gotten them back how many times, right? So that, that's what I do with it. That seems I, do that, I do that during sex. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the real part of it. I mean, what one thing as an observer, I mean, that's the title, the title is so brilliant, you know, and just to, again, as an observer to watch Patrice and not to have known him at all, is that killing is easy. It's right. all of this other stuff that um, is really, I mean, for somebody who's a genius like that, killing is easy. It's all of this other um, work that's the art of it that um, is so complicated and deep that, um, I mean, there's really something so brave and courageous, I think, for the few comics who open themselves up to doing that in front of a crowd, you know? Well, like, well there's I mean, it's it's like, you know, with Hannah Gadsby's last special where people said, well, that's not comedy, you know, it wasn't, or it was only partially comedy. Because she was, it was a like woman. A one woman, one woman show or? Well, 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 but the point being is that, is that that's another uh, art form that she was doing. Absolutely. She was, she was not being 
He was not being funny 100% of the time, but that's valid. Dave Chappelle's most recent specials. Bishop Dave. Bishop Dave. I love Bishop Dave. The, 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 the difference, Dan, though, I would say is that Patrice was never um, did a set like that on Netflix where it was like not killing. You know, she did an unpolished or she was basically not being funny on purpose. And she's a woman. So people looked at it a little closer. And then it's funny that Dave Chappelle did the same thing and it was celebrated. But when Nanette did it or Hannah did it, it was well, a, like a, a very But thorough... do you think if, if she was of Dave Chappelle caliber, though, I think Dave Chappelle is on a whole nother planet. No, I don't. I don't. I don't is. think that's the point I'm making. I think the point is, is that Hannah Gatsby, which a lot of Americans didn't know. I knew her personally, had gained and earned the right to do what she was doing. She was very successful in Australia. She had her own TV show. She had, she's a veteran. She was a veteran. So she wasn't like a new comic, just, you know, up there. I, she I made, she made the choice. Yeah, no, she made the choice to do that. But I do think that, you know, when we compare her to Dave Chappelle as being what, who's better, I think she did a lot of what Patrice would have been celebrated for but because she was doing it on stage and making money from it and she's a woman uh, for some reason a lot of people had a lot of issues with it where i think the process of it and the airing of the process of it is what people had the problems with if that's a complete well, I, I was i was kind I, of a hannah gatsby defender for some reason because i i i, I was impressed by the um the charisma with which she gripped the audience and I, and I, as opposed to most things, which I don't sit through all the way, I, I did sit all the way through her hour, which speaks for itself in terms of um, her talent. So I, I just respected the fact that she could hold me for an hour when very few people can. I do wonder whether Patrice would have been a fan of Hannah Gadsby, but oh. you know. <laughs> well, know. we don't know. We don't know. We could, we could, I, we could play the "What would Patrice think?" do game yeah. all day and all night. We, we, we. Nobody could speak for what Patrice. Bond. That's the sad part. I want to ask you, but I just want to clarify something because I didn't get a chance to clarify it, and then by all means, ask me whatever. Yeah. I wasn't saying uh, that that uh, she wasn't a veteran or that she hadn't earned her spot. What I was saying was to make a comparison to Dave Chappelle, to compare Dave Chappelle to anyone, he's on such a different uh, stratosphere with everything. I think that people celebrate a lot of things that Dave Chappelle do um, differently than if, if it would have been anybody else. So it, what I was saying was, if what she had done in comparison to someone at her same caliber, I, I, I think they would have, had the same things to say. I don't think that they treated Dave Chappelle different because he was a guy necessarily. Mm, I, I think just, they, I, I they treat Dave Chappelle special because he's Dave Chappelle. I, I disagree. I just think that it was, it, he did the same thing and no one mentioned, no one had anything to, and you're right, Dave Chappelle is Dave Chappelle, but I know people who were like, it wasn't funny. I don't know why no one's talking about how it wasn't funny. I mean, I love Dave Chappelle too, but I know comics who were like, didn't he just do what Nanette did? How come no one's talking about that? Well, did they say it, they, they say it admiringly or they were critical of him? They were admiring it, but they were just also aware of the fact that 
we had just attacked Hannah Gatsby for doing pretty much the same thing, be compelling in her stand-up routine, which wasn't necessarily joke for joke for joke for joke. And so they were saying he was compelling and she was compelling, but why was she such a conversation and why was the conversation dropped when it came to him? Is it because he's a black man who's talking about it, you know, George Floyd in a very critical time? You know, maybe she opened the door for Dave Chappelle to be able to that's do something like that. Also, we didn't, she opened didn't the doors. Her. We didn't know her at the time. In America, we didn't know her. So people are judging her as this right. new kid in town, where Chappelle has already built up so much goodwill and love that uh, obviously he's not going to get the same criticism as somebody that's just showed up one day, as far as we know, because we didn't know her in America. Um, I, 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 I didn't see it that way. I saw Chappelle as a, as a basically a, a national treasure type institution who shared with us his feelings about right. this moment. And we were interested in it because we've, we've grown to respect Dave Chappelle's opinion on things so much. But, I, but if, if that were the only thing we'd ever heard from Dave Chappelle, I don't think anybody would have given it any... Uh, notice at all really we I, I, we listen to it because it's Dave so and and we want to know what he has to say but it wasn't an act is what I'm saying like Hannah Gasby has she has an act she did that same thing every night she went out there and she she honed it and that was her her well, that wasn't her act her act was very different from that for years I mean right, I that wasn't the only she didn't she didn't videotape that hour doing it off the cuff I mean it was a well-oiled presentation the, I, I guess what i'm saying is that's what she her goal was to be compelling about something that she was feeling at the time and it was not expected to become a, an act yeah that's well listen said, I, I, yeah. I i think that and then i want to i want to get to what i want to ask von something but i think that and this is true in music and probably in any art form when you're very close to it when you do it yourself you you have a certain mental checklist that you go through when you're judging other people doing it that an, that an audience member doesn't necessarily have. And that's what I was trying to say. Like when, when I, even though I'm in sort of in the comedy business, I, I don't really look at it that way. So I just watched this show. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And I, and I didn't find the need to say, well, wait a second. Is it comedy? Is it not comedy? Were there jokes? Were there this? Like I, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I'm like, well, she's on stage and she's holding an audience and it's interesting. Right. And I'm thinking about it the next day. But comedians will say, but that's not comedy. Who is she to say she's like, it's important to them. Like, who is she to say this is a comedy routine? So they, so they go down that rabbit hole, I guess. And, and that's how a lot of um, things, a lot of great performers have been missed that way. The audience takes to them. Even Eddie Murphy went through this, but in music, like people like Bob Dylan or whatever it is, um, various, even, you know, even rap when it first came out was very quite disrespected by musicians of every color. Because it because it was no melody and they're just they're just doing you know rap, rapping to beats or whatever it is it was the audience that that picked up on it because the audience didn't give a shit that there were no chords or whatever it is the audience just enjoyed it and then the musicians came around and then the musicians began to understand oh this is actually the expression of enormous talent just like what I was doing is is expression of talent so 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 the audience is quite often out in front on these things but this is what I wanted to ask Vaughn in my opinion I, I don't I'm not completely um, up on the, the human aspect of all this. And I think it's interesting to the audience and I would like to know, how, 
how long was he sick before he died? And what did he know about his health problems? What, what could he or have done when he saw, um, when he was warned of them to change, to, to have saved his own life, these kind of things? What, what can you tell us about that? Well, his, his conditions were hereditary. So he was sick as far as I know since early, 17, I believe it was. He's always With been what? diabetes, obesity, diabetes. Um, eventually high blood pressure. So uh, to answer the question, what did he do? Um, around, I would say, was it like 2005, he went into the hospital, his blood pressure was up. And um, from that point on, I was like, look, we're not missing no doctor's appointments and, and I, we're not arguing about medicine. You know, I, I, he was really good with taking his medicine. And I, I'm just like, well, if you're going on the road or whatever, if I ask you 30 times, is, 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 did you remember it? I don't want to argue about it. Let's not. And he never argued with me about any of those things. We, we went to all the doctor's appointments from 2005 on very, very strict in trying to figure out his medicine because the high blood pressure medicine conflicts with diabetes and those medications. And there was always something happening at the, as far as trying to figure all those things out. As far as his health and his diet, we were vegan for three years. His idea, he cooked. I wasn't the cook. He cooked. We would have cookouts and barbecues and he would make tons of every meat, fish, chicken, you name it, we had it. Alcohol, neither one of us are drinkers. So it, it, three years from 2008 to 2011, the same year he passed away, we were vegan and just trying to figure out how, how to keep him alive, right? And I used to use his mom as an example, actually, because I'm like, look, she's way older. What is she in her 60s or, or whatever at the time? And I'm like, she has all the same conditions. And, you know, eventually, yeah, you know, these things may affect you at some point. But, you know, we don't have to worry about it until you get older. Let's just do all the things that we could do now. And, and you know, we'll worry about it in your 60s or 70s. You'll at least... <laughs> live as long as moms, right? She's the example. She's here. But in life, that's not always the case, right? So there were absolutely a lot of efforts. When I first met Patrice, I couldn't even put my arms around him. And then eventually, when, when we would go to the doctor, he would never get on the scale. He's like, it's, it's not gonna, it, I'm heavier than what the scale is. Uh, so he would never get on a scale. So whenever we would go to the doctor, I would do this thing. But, and eventually, 2011, you know, I was able to, I'm like, look, I could completely hug you now. When we first met, that wasn't even possible. So he definitely lost weight along the way. Uh, yeah, did he struggle with food? Absolutely. Did he struggle uh, with medication? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the thing that I learned is when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You could do all these things to try and stay healthy. And I will defend him to the day I die on that. He was not frivolous with his life and his struggles. He definitely, you know, put in as much effort as he could, at least during the time I was with him. That's the only time I could speak of um, in those, in the stretch that we were together. I saw some white chocolate covered Oreos. White Oreos dipped in chocolate, man. I, I could, it was, I was in, in tears. Like, knowing I shouldn't eat it, but I was in pain, like going, oh my God. And I'm talking to my son, I can't eat these cookies, man. And they're calling me and I'm praying to God. And I'm, 
and I'm lactose intolerant, but like if I eat these cookies, I gotta drink milk too, I'm gonna go out like a soldier. It's like, whatever. <laughs> then you say all kind of weird stuff to you to rationalize eating them. I'd be like, you know what? I don't need both my feet. I'm not a, I'm not a ballerina. I don't, all I need is one so I can drive my car. There was something in the documentary, I don't remember what it was, that, that indicated he, he was fatalistic, that he, that he had mm -hmm. some sense that he might not be around for a long time. And I, and I wonder, is that true? Yeah. And if it is, do you think- Well, that's where those conversations came from. He made, we made a lot of life decisions based on the fact that he would say, I'm not gonna live long. And that's when I would bring up like, your mom is still alive. She's, you know, this is not gonna take you at an early age. That's, that, that was in response of me saying, um, of him saying things like that you, all the you time. That, you think that made him funnier in some way, dealing with that kind of darkness is, uh, you know, foreboding about the future. <laughs> I think, um, I don't know a comic, I've, and I, all I know is comics. I've been <laughs> around nothing but comics for the past 20 something years. Um, and I, I include myself in saying this, I don't know a single comic that doesn't have a lot of dark issues that make them funny. Yeah. Well, Gary Goldman was talking about that, and he said, and I agree with him, that darkness and funniness seem to go together, but but darkness doesn't necessarily make you funny. That the best thing to do is to try to become healthy, and then you'll be even more productive comedically. And, uh, right, and that's, I, this is where you have to bring in, you know, some of the stuff that Marina was saying earlier about being artistic and an artist and all of these things. If, if, you, um, if you rely on whatever darkness or whatever you think it is that makes you funny, if it's, if it's you being overweight or if it's your whatever, and that's what you rely on, then it, you'll get stuck in there and then you'll never heal from that. But as a human being, every single person on this earth has some type of issue, right? Everybody is dark. That doesn't mean everybody is funny. But people like us um, are, are, that are artistic with it find that place. For, and I'll, I'll speak just for myself on this. It's, it's a place where I come from growing up. And it was just our culture. It was how I was. It was how people around me was. It was just finding Anything is funny because you got to survive and you got to find a way to feel good because there's a lot of effed up stuff happening all around you. So you just survive in laughter. You, we made fun of everything growing up and that, that helped us live. Laughter really is medicine, not to be cliche or corny, but that's what it really is. And the people that find themselves as artists doing it, um, I would hope that they don't get stuck on that one thing, like, oh, if I heal this, then I'm not going to be funny. No, you got plenty of other issues that's still going to be funny. <laughs> but heal well, I'm this. I'm still single. I mean, I, <laughs> it seems to be working that I remain single. <laughs> Marina, you have to heal from that. <laughs> I don't know. You'll be funny well, married, trust me. <laughs> well, there's plenty of jokes that you'll get being married. I mean, Dan it. tried to date me just for jokes in a sitcom. Well, it was a, I think it was a reasonable strategy. <laughs> a terrible strategy. No, I we, hate that strategy. We would have had a good show, though. 
If we had a kid, we had well, should have done that. Oh, that was back in the day when comics were getting lots of deals based on their life, on their lives, you know. So, so that came. So I thought to myself, well, you know, this would be interesting to present to uh, a network. Um, Can I? You know, an interracial couple. But, um, I just thought of something to circle back to something we were talking about earlier, an experience I had on stage that I brought my issues to. Um, and, and in terms of the crowd, attacking the crowd, I had a really hard lesson handed to me at this show. I forget, it was somewhere in Brooklyn years ago. Um, there was a girl sitting front and center, arms folded, with the the gas face just mean mugging mm. and it just it kept her energy and her face just kept pulling me out of my moment and i decided oh she poking a bear with all that energy she's a girl girls don't like girl. all of these insecure girl things going through my head and i lit her ass up i went in i went in and after the show she came up to me and she was like Can can I speak to you for a minute? I was like, oh man, I don't really want to fight. Should I run? <laughs> yeah, and he said to me, I'll never forget it. She was like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't looking at you like that. It had nothing to do with you. Apparently her boyfriend who she was with, she had saw him like texting somebody. I thought this was all about me bringing all my issues to the stage, thinking this, thinking that. Meanwhile, her whole attitude, energy, and mean mugging was because she just discovered her man was cheating on her. But I thought she hated me because, what, you, I, you, you sitting there with your man, you know what I mean? That insecure girl thing. And I was like, wow, lesson learned. You got all that material about you. It's not always about you, even though you're on stage, right? So you could be looking at an audience member and rip their ass apart for something that ain't even had nothing to do with you. I bet that material was good, right? Did you keep it? <laughs> I felt bad. You know, I'm a good person. Hell mm. yeah, I kept it. <laughs> so Marina, what she's trying to say, Marina, is not all about you. Anyway, I, I think we have. To, <laughs> I think we have to to wrap it up. Um, no, my kale is done. Uh, it's, this whole episode was about Marina. Thank you for coming, Marina. <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, sometimes people die and then they kind of fall off the radar. And it's not always apparent at the time it happens, you know, what, what, that, what that outlook is. But Patrice, um, since he's died, has only grown and grown in the estimation of, his, of, of comics, some of which, um, some of whom... <laughs> We're too young, you know, have only have only experienced him on video and stuff like that. And that is a that is a an objective um, measure of a person's talent, much more than the, the trendy in the moment estimations that that people make, which which can be quite wrong. When when some when time when somebody grows through the passage of time after their death. I think that is about as sure uh, an indication as there can be of real talent and substance. So I think, I think it's very, it's, it's just nice that he has that in death, that, that he's getting really all the respect that he deserved. So that's. And if I could just add to that, yeah. I had a cab driver or Uber driver, sorry, in Miami, in um, Austin, Texas, during the South by Southwest Florida and he asked me that specific question. He goes, can I ask you something? Why didn't Patrice 
become that guy. And I think this documentary for individuals like that who always wanted to know why he wasn't this guy, it's kind of, it kind of, it's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, I felt like he, he was absolutely well on his way to figuring it out, right? He came to terms with a lot of things and, and as far as business and, and he had goals and he had plans. And, and for me, when he died, I just went into this super work mode and, and making sure I could do everything to keep his legacy alive and push it forward. And, and other than the documentary and, and having um, some closure with that and really getting his, his, real personality out there as best as I could and humanizing him. Uh, along the way, I produced three of his comedy albums, Mr. P, Unreleased, and The Lost Files. All, all of that stuff you can find on his website, patriceonail.com. And, and the, the documentary hopefully has a long life to it. And, and again, I, I feel like it, it was all definitely deserving. And not just because he passed and you want to keep his legacy alive and, 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 and introduce it to future generations to come. But just because I, for me, I just felt like he was, he was figuring it out. He was figuring business out, personal life out. He was figuring all out. And, and then just for him to be gone was, was very um, difficult to let go of. So I, I've been, um, quietly and separately from my own stuff, um, working on doing everything I could do to, to make sure that he's remembered well. I was just, I was just responding to Marina's cab drivers or Uber drivers question. You know, uh, a lot of people aren't that guy at 41 years old. Comedy can sometimes take a long time. Louis wasn't necessarily that guy until about 45. Mark Marin, 45, 46. Um, so, um, but uh, but for this guy, he was he was gone, and the the answer wasn't there for him. So that's why this right. documentary it fills that it fills that gap and that hole for those people who always had that question about why some people make it or or as they perceive as some people making it and some people not making it. I think this documentary does an amazing job at answering that question for people, for fans. Also, Vaughn, I, I would say that there must have been something quite special about him that you're that to to um for you to be so devoted to him 10 years after you know that says something about something about who he was as a person that that only you and people the closest people to him would would know what that is but it's clear he had that well patrice was a very loyal loving part patrice loved me the best way he could right we all love each other in different ways when you love someone you love them how you know how Right. He loved me. He loved my daughter. I always felt um, I always felt loved with him. And I'm I'm the type of person that's very reciprocal in relationships. And <clears throat> and on top of that, very, very loyal to a fault, you know, and I just I I think, you know, 10 years with him, 10 years without him, but still working on all of these things is 20 years of my life. Um, uh, and I don't know. I think we should break up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I have to go. Uh, I have, okay. I have to I, I, actually, I'm in a room. I have a show coming up, but um, the wonders of technology um, coming to you from Aruba, 
Dutch West Indies. This was a good show, Noam, I think, and something that comedy fans in particular will like. We didn't get any of the huge issues of the week. Perhaps we can we can do another episode. Oh, what happened? No, it's better, to oh, do that with <laughs> better to do that without Marina. Listen, everything. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, Periel, please make sure to ask Lou to cut in some uh, a few of Patrice's uh, bits into this for serious, especially. And mine too. You could cut mine in too. I'm just saying I could do more, and I realize that I, you know I don't do enough, and I think it's age too. I'm older than I look. You know I'm black, so you'll never know. <laughs> but it's happening. It's setting in where you say the wrong things. You don't know stuff. I'm not as woke <laughs> as I should be, and. It's embarrassing. Like, I've been messing up on my pronouns lately. Because I met someone who was not a guy or a girl. They were a they. Which is how they wanted to be referred to. And that's important. Like, I care about that. It's just, it's new to me. And in a sentence, structurally, <laughs> it makes me sound like a runaway slave. <laughs> Like, where are they at? They's coming? They down by the river. They gonna be mad at that joke. Thank you, thank you. And also see uh, Marina on FX and Hulu. Hilarious. Hysterical. Hysterical. I don't have a special yet, but you can listen to my comedy album. My debut comedy album was recently released. Uh, Funnyvon.com uh, to get my comedy mixtape, A Draggable Offense. Yay and, uh, for Vaughn! And Bye, everybody. About the podcast, podcast at ComedySelly.com. We'll see you oh, next time. I'm going to tell you a quick love story, man. This will sum up how much my girl loved me, and it's amazing. Um, you know, like I said, I'm diabetic, man, but, um, you know, it's a true story. When we have sex, we're really, uh, really dirty, man. We, we're really dirty. <laughs> uh, we pee on each other in the hole. <laughs> but that's, don't get past that, because this is true love, so. So I'm, we're having sex, right? About two years ago, this happened. We're having sex, and then uh, afterwards, she's like, you know, that was good, but I think we gotta go to the hospital, get you checked out. I said, why? She said, because your pee tastes like birthday cake. <laughs> and isn't that love? If you can get past the pee part, that's love, right? Well, she's like, oh, your pee is too delicious. I don't, I don't like that. She didn't go, you peed in my mouth, you nasty. She, she's just like, oh my God, your pee tastes, I don't like the way it tastes. It tastes scrumptious. What am I doing? You see these three goofy girls look, they're like, man, you pee in my mouth. That means you're not gonna love me to the degree that I need to save my life, are you? No. I don't need you. I don't need you if you can't taste my bee and go, something's wrong. You need to go check yourself. <laughs> Judge me. <laughs>